February 12th, 2023. We're continuing in Mitzilat Yesharim. We're still in the middle of this long Perek, Perek Yod Aleph. Perek Yod Aleph has been talking about Pirte Midat HaNikiyut. He's describing the details with regards to what he calls, or what uh, the Beraita and Masechet Avodah Zarah refer to as Nikiyut, cleanliness. And, uh, and Mitzilat Yesharim has, has developed for us the way that Nikiyut is to a large extent the details that go into many, if not all, of the prohibitions that we're familiar with that we oftentimes uh, overlook. Uh, so he's been talking about initially Gezel. Gezel, he's cited from the Gemara, <coughs> is something that the majority of people fall prey to. And he <coughs> highlighted for us several of the critical circumstances where people just overlook the prohibition and engage in Gezel. Mi'utam, the next statement was Be'arayot, people are involved in wrongful sexual relations without realizing beyond the actual act Mesilati Sharim has um, has set forth for us is anything and everything connected to it. It's the Pasuk in the Torah which the Hachamim pay careful attention to. Lotikrevu Legalot Ayrvat, even coming close to that. And as a result, in the last several conversations uh, in Mesilati Sharim we've discussed how uh, even Dibur and Re'iyah, Istaklut, and so forth are all connected to it. In truth, it's what we say every day. Even if the particulars over there are Avodah Zarah, the understanding uh, for us that anything that comes close to an act of sin is included in the prohibition, well, that's already mentioned. And now, Mesilati Sharim continues, we're beginning of this paragraph, Vim Lehashecha. Is he using these as examples yes. of things, or yes. these two things specifically nice. happen to be above and beyond he's anything else He's made very he's clear saying. these are just examples, but his claim, based on the Ma'amar Hakamim, is these are the most prevalent. These two. Yeah, and today he'll have opportunity to enter us into further conversations, because he'll go from these into Ma'achalot Asurot, for example, and from Ma'achalot Asurot, to social, communal, uh, interpersonal issues. So yes, these are the highest in terms of those that which people are prone to fall prey to, either saying that they think it's permitted or just being so uh, so enveloped by the drive. 195. He's finishing the, the conversation which we uh, began and progressed in last week. It's just one more paragraph with regards to that. That was the dibur with arayot. He even cited the Mishnah and Avot of not being marbes yachai ma'isha. And says, maybe someone will whisper to you, and so, so to speak, the yezer hara, and say to you, nibul peh, when you speak wrongfully in that uh, inappropriate parutz uh, way, maybe it's only in order to distance us from the sin. It's not a problem per se in the speech, it's just a way of distancing. And of course, the difference between something which is just purposeful distance or something which is inherently wrong is our mindset. They might both be significant, but I can say I've built the necessary safeguards, I can now talk however I want. Um, he's going to make clear to us it's far from that. This is not just a safeguard. There's a problem inherently, in essence, in this nibulpe. Maybe the only prohibition, maybe the only warning of the hachamim of not speaking wrongfully is for a person whose blood is burning, whose heart is pumping, and he's so on his way to sinning. There we say, okay, so watch what you're saying, because you're saying your speech can lead you into sin. We're still in, we're still in 
We're still in Arayot, we're finishing Arayot. Alternatively, if I were to have that approach, which Adam, if someone whispered this to you, if I'm sitting straight, I have a good uh, marital life and my mind is not elsewhere, so jokes of that sort, of levity, of speaking in, in, in the domain of Arayot, there's no problem with that, maybe I shouldn't. But to say there's a severity to talk about that's not applicable. That's applicable only to the person who's truly on the path of sin. Says says You can respond to that individual. You can reply to This was uh, this is all the the drive of evil inclination. Because after all, the Hachamim did and could continue to bring a Pasuk in Sefer Yeshaya as a proof. Alken, al Bahurav lo yismach Hashem, ki chulo hanef, umera, nevala. The Pasuk in Yeshaya talks about how HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not rejoicing over the young ones. He's not involved in caring about the orphans and widows when their involvement is hanef. Hanef is flattery. It's flattery just when you turn to another person. Pasuk is not describing you're flattering them for a purpose. You're flattering them not speaking seriously. You're talking to them in high terms, uh, assuming that you're uh, giving them a good feeling when you don't actually mean it. Mera, uh, we're talking about evil speech. And dover nevala means that's nivulpe. You're speaking just in it of itself. The Pasuk is pinpointing the problem with these people is not, <clears throat> as we'd imagine, the next stage is going to be which brings them to... It's in and of itself the way they speak. Maybe these sorts of talk and speech bring you to sin. Maybe one of the three uh, uh, premier sins of Sheloshet Hamurot. We're talking just about the speech in and of itself, as we've discussed, as we should always continue to discuss. Speech is the conduit through which we bring thought into existence. It's the middle stage in between in the eyes of the Mikubalim, but any psychologist could, in their own words, articulate this. When I have thought, which we look at as in the domain of Nishama, and I have action, which we envision as in the domain and the world of Nefesh, I have something in the middle, and it's always that transitional stage and circumstance which is the most sensitive. That's called ruach. That's the ability to speak. The ability to speak oftentimes lays ground for the most vulnerable circumstances. Not so much, but just as much as when I try to transition with my children from outside of my parents' house to a walk home where everything falls apart. It was a beautiful meal and a wonderful time together with my parents. But that transitional period is always difficult. It's a critical period. The, the, the determination oftentimes in our own lives of growth is, is, is brought forth by how we transition. I can put in all the preliminary stages, I can envision the future, but if I can't transition, if I can't pivot from one stage into the next, well then all falls apart. That's ruach, that's speech. Speech is my ability as a human being to bring forth, well, what is it that I truly want to be? How do I want to be there? Action would come afterwards, but the initial stage of speech is what it's all about. And as a result, I'm certain for that reason, the hachamim, and the Nevi'im and the Silat Yesharim in turn are so severe in their speech about 
what it means to speak properly. Speech lays grounds for, again, you know, that uh, liminal space, if you will, that transitional spa- uh, space in our lives as human beings. So it's for that reason as well, the famous Targum Unkelus on the Pasuk says, The Pasuk says, Who breathed um, the source of, uh, of, of soul, of, of life into human beings. It says, It's the ability to speak, because as human beings, we are determined by that transition from just thought, which is divine, into this world, the ability to speak. Anyway, continues. <laughs> is the irva, the expression of nakedness, of wrongful encounters with speech itself. It can be a zenut in my speech, irrespective of action. Even if we won't punish them in the same way and fashion, as we mentioned last week, Masilat Yesharim aligns himself with Ramban Nachmani, envisioning all of the Tikrovet for Gilui Arayot as Asumid Rabbanan. But nonetheless, he says, there's an Isur in it of itself. It might not be the same severity. It might not be Yehareg Val Ya'avor. Milevat Hayotam Gamken Gormim Vimeli Ha'isur Harashi Atzmo. And of course, there's the there's the fear and there's a lot the 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 possibility that it'll bring you to actual sin in action. Ochinyan Hanazir Shizachruba Midrash Shevin on the Maala, and he indeed began with the description of the Nazir who is warded away from, as the Torah tells us, not only the actual drinking of wine, but anything even close to it. We have one last issue on this matter, and that's thought. So we've talked about action, we've talked about getting close to action, we've talked about speech. What about thought itself? You should be careful, you should safeguard from all matters of evil. There's a fear, and that's first and foremost, wrongful thought will bring me to action, will bring me to maybe even uh, involuntary action. So thought lays groundwork for uh, action. But beyond that, the very thought itself, which again is a preliminary stage for action, but in it of, in it of itself, it's it means that a person in thinking can and will often bring forth sin in ways that their action, when it was thoughtful and direct in the moment, couldn't have anticipated. I thought so much about this. What's that? It's worse than the sin. It can be worse than the sin because it can bring me to involuntary action. But no, you don't follow, Ralph? In other words, action... Thinking of a sin is worse than doing a sin? Only because of the outcome. Only because of the act, because it can and will, is the thought, bring you to involuntary action. In the moment, it's not. In the moment, it's not per se, but we envision that moment as such for that reason. How do you control your thoughts? Yeah, how do you you control your thoughts? Well, it's along the lines of Ibn Ezra's question from last week's parasha, Lotahmod. How does a person control their ability to covet another? And the the answer. 
Ibn Ezra specific aside and Bet Alevi and others? The answer is through training and through building framework and guidelines for yourself in which matters are envisioned as altogether different. If I now understand that as, he's going to give examples afterwards, but if I give it severity and I train myself to envision it as something so far and so distant from anything that could be ever al-hadat, you've come closer. You can't completely right. and fully at any point control it, but you can build safeguards to skew your way of thought, which is which is which is the mission and mandate of, of us as human beings. And and, and, and in turn it was my next words and in turn the the employment of many people. We've addressed in the past uh, several bits as Mesilati Sharim two of those sins which uh, people are really driven to. Again, Gezel and in turn Arayot. Now this is Mesilat Yesharim's innovation. This is his Hidush. The Hachamim mentioned that Rubam Begezel Mirutam Arayot. And they stopped at that. Says Mesilat Yesharim, I'm going to tell you another one that many people are involved with. It might not be mentioned in Gemara, but we're all familiar with that. What's that? The Hamadrega Hashilishit, Haragazel, Hagezel, Haarayot. For matters that we're homed, that we're coveting, we're going after. It's prohibited foods. Whether it's terefot and nevelot, meat which wasn't slaughtered properly, meat which wasn't kosher, at its begin. Whether it's when it was mixed together with others. When it's milk and meat together. Forbidden fats and blood. He's going down now in terms of severity. If it was food made by an Andrew, which was prohibited. Or if there was a ta'am, you used utensils from non-Jews or food of theirs and cooking of theirs. If it was wine, which was libated, quite literally for Abu Dazara, or removed from that, but handled by a non-Jew without our knowledge that they used it for Abu Dazara. Why is Achila, just from a, from a Jewish thought perspective, uh, such a drive and such a focus uh, by the Torah, and in turn, why is it potentially that we psychologically have this drive to eat wrongful things? Uh, first and foremost, of course, achila is a tava in and of itself. It's a, it's something that we're excited about, and we're just driven in that direction. In truth, achila, eating from the very beginning of the Torah's description, is the sign, is the marker of whether you're going to be obedient or not. It's the etzadat, of course, I'm referring to. Uh, will you be obedient by uh, curtailing your drives and not eating from that, and as a result, only eating from that which I've told you? In and of itself, the Torah already designated that for us, but in terms of, I call it the mahshava, the, the Jewish philosophy side to it, or the psychology side to it, as I understand it, working within the framework of Ramhal, Ramhal, both in Misilat Yesharim as well as in Derech Hashem, and even in Da'atib as well, he talks about the purpose of human beings in this world. And uh, if you recall, we addressed it in Misilat Yesharim, we've talked about it on more than one occasion. Purpose of human beings, says Ramhal, is to bring yourself to a state of Shilemut. Now, that's what we're in this world for. We want to become complete beings. And in order to become complete, it means we need to achieve it. If it's given to us, if we're just handed with a complete state and stature out of the womb, 
and we weren't really complete. To be complete means you achieved it. He quotes from Talmud Yerushalmi. What's that? Like Berit Milah being a primary example. But have better for our purposes. He quotes Mesilat Yisharim does from Talmud Yerushalmi that if God were to hand us the uh, completion from the onset, he'd have what's called Nahamadi Kisufa. He'd have bread of shame and embarrassment. In other words, he's describing it through, through, through eating even, right? In other words, but listen to the imagery again. If you're given the food from the, begin, from the beginning, you'll never have the challenge, you'll never have the achievement. It means that that hisaron, that orla which we're, built, which we're born with, is described as, and we'll understand why in a moment, uh, the inability to eat. We need to eat as human beings. That's the way we were built from a physical standpoint. We need to nurture and nourish ourselves through eating food. The question is how you will then achieve that eating. Now, in the physical sense, the eating means I'm completing myself in terms of my physical growth. In the spiritual sense, by definition, furthermore, it's, well, now that I'm out in this world to complete myself, as I do it physically, how am I doing it intellectually? How am I doing it psychologically? Am I go- doing it in a way in which I'm looking to achieve my own shalemut? I'm rebelling against what God told me is a method and a way to become shalem, determining on my own I'll eat what it is that I want to eat, or alternatively, are you working within the system? He's telling you, you want to come to Shilemut, this is the way, it's through proper eating. In other words, eating then defines for us, eating then in the physical world defines the way that I become Shalem in the spiritual world. It's my way of saying I'm playing as part of this system and as a result of that, I have a drive outside of it. I want to do this independently. I want to eat from Etzadat. I want to be the person who can complete himself without your aid, without your instructions and guidelines, God. God but I'm going to bring myself into it by, by specifically saying that it's only this which will make me complete. Uh, that is, as I understand, the truth is that eating, in terms of Ta'ava, the Torah, and Sefer Mishle, already liken it to the ways of Gilui uh, Arayot. It's something that we were driven to do innately. Um, we, we have this Ta'ava that, uh, by Yosef, he, he describes to Eshet Potiphar that uh, his, his master has allowed him to eat from everything except for the lechem, except for the bread, which is a reference to her. That's the Arayot, the Pasuk in Mishle, describes as well, the derech isha mena'efet, the woman who's mena'afet, is achela umahata fiha ve'amera lo aven, as she as well, she the, the description is she ate, she eats. But eating then is the prime grounds for, for challenge in this world. It's what you'll do with eating. Um, my, my favorite example of it is from the end of this coming week's parasha. The end of this coming week's parasha describes people at the top of Har Sinai. You have, this, you have Zekenim and you have the Bnei Aharon and they're Ochilim and they're Shotim and they're seeing God. Is that positive or negative? Well, it's not fully clear. But the Pesukim say that God doesn't strike them. It almost appears as if they should have been struck. Uh, on the other hand, Ramban, Nachmani, and others envision that as positive. And I'll tell you how you could see it as both positive and negative. Negative is I'm at the top of the mountain. I'm in a moment of utter sanctity. I'm able to tap into Kedushah, Vakadosh Baruch Hu's presence. And you're eating? You're feeding yourself. Right. Alternatively, I'm taking that food and transforming it into a moment of of spiritual connection, right? In other words, alternatively, it's a se'udat mitzvah. 
Alternatively, it's Choten uh, Moshe coming and they're Ochel Lifneha Elokim at the beginning of this past week's parasha. Eating can be, and we understand why and how, both physically and in terms of our drives, it's the, it's the, it's the area which can be turned into a, a paramount significance in terms of our spiritual growth. On the other hand, it could be the rebellious side. It's, it's that tenuous. It's that thin of a line with regards to how is it and what is it that you're doing with that food. Are you feeding yourself? Or are you transforming what you know you need into a higher level matter? That's what I believe is, is inherent in the, in the halachot of kashrut. It's inherent in a life of a person who knows, I eat for this purpose and I eat these things, which demonstrates the purpose for, for which I'm eating. Uh, that's the description in this context. I mean, the Mikubalim are, are, are very, very uh, keen on, on talking about eating. Eating is one of the major uh, forms of avodah to understand that as I'm feeding myself, I can and must find a way to say that this is for my Avodat Hashem, the most base level, well, I'm eating in order to strengthen myself for further Avodat Hashem. Beyond that, I'm seeing in this eating, if you're a true uh, mystic, seeing in this eating the ability to affect tikkunim of some sort or another. I mean, what we're talking about in these contexts is taking something coarse, base, physical, gashmi, and transforming it into spiritual, into lofty, into holy, into kedushah. Anyway, says Mesilat Yisharim says, "Kol ele hanikiyut vayim sarik tiktuk vegadol vesarik chizuk." In order to uh, effectively um, 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 deal with uh, these uh, issues of kashrut, there's much tiktuk and chizuk, much uh, scrupulous thought and uh, self-constraint and strength, which is necessary. There's first and foremost a ta'ava, there's a drive to eat anything that I desire, especially if it looks good. And furthermore, there's a loss of money. Um, it got mixed in with non-kosher food. How am I going to deal with it? Um, it's, it's cheaper. It's more convenient in that circumstance or another. Truth is, the Gemara in Masechet Hulin on Davzayin talks about Hamoroshel Pinechas Ben Yair. Pinechas Ben Yair, who is the, for all intents and purposes, the author before Mesilat Yisharim of Mesilat Yisharim. This whole, uh, we're up to Nikiyut, this whole uh, description of these levels was set forth initially by this rabbi, to be Pinechas Ben Yair. The Gemara tells a story about Hamoroshel it's a well-known story. The Gemara describes how uh, he was once uh, on his way to be Podesh He was going to redeem captives. And he stops at an inn. And his, his donkey is together with him. And the innkeeper feeds the donkey se'urim. Uh, what's that? Barley. And the donkey won't eat from the barley. So they make certain that the barley is sifted out and is proper in terms of food for an animal. And still won't eat from it. Ultimately speaking, Bipin husband Ya'ir says to them, maybe you didn't take ma'asir from this. Maybe you haven't properly tithed it. You haven't dealt with it appropriately. And in truth, that was the reality. The Gemara's expression there on Davhein Masechet Hulin, on Davzayin Masechet Gitin, and elsewhere is, you see, if Hamoro Shel Sadikim, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu is protecting, making certain that there's no takala, no downfall for the donkey of the righteous, can you imagine, for the righteous people themselves, Alahad Kama Bechama, Tosafot Masechet Gitin, on Davzayin, quote from Rabbeinu Tam. You know what that's referring to? 
Uh, one second, you're telling me no righteous people have ever accidentally sinned? Is that really the case? It's on matters of eating that Kivyachol HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I'm involving myself to make certain that it won't fall your way, that mistaken eating situation. Why is Rabbeinu Tam, well, I understand why from the Gemara, in reality, Rabbeinu Tam saying that. How do we appreciate that? That's food, that the eating was of, so to speak, paramount significance in the eyes of God, because eating is what it's all about. If a person is truly seeking spiritual fulfillment, if they're looking for a life of Shelemut, it begins, and to a certain extent ends with everything in the middle, with the Gashmi, with how you're eating, what's going into your mouth. So yes, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not bringing takala le shel sadikim, so to the sadikim themselves, because food is what determines. Food is that litmus test of where you're holding in terms of your spiritual progress, of where you want to be and where you are. So let's take a look at your Dea'ah. Understand there's much to be talked about in terms of Basaba Halab, in terms of Ta'aruvot, in terms of Ma'achalei Akum, and so on and so forth. A person who's lenient in a circumstance where he's supposed to be stringent is destroying their soul. That's the direction Mesilat Yesharim will bring us in. Unlike other sins which are external, I did with my body and affected something outside of myself, food goes into you. As a result, there's an understanding that it, uh, it, it blemishes your very soul. He quotes the well-known Midrash Hachamim, The Pasuk says, don't become contaminated by them, by wrongful eat, eating and foods, because then without an aleph in it. Without the Aleph in it, the Derasha is, If you've contaminated yourself through wrongful eat, you'll become contaminated by them. As a result of eating from wrongful foods, your soul, your spiritual nature has become nitma has become uh, contaminated. And in turn, if that's the case, when we imagine what does it mean to have a spiritual soul, your, your divine perception, your ability to tap into truths, your, uh, your, your comprehension of, of the world beyond just what you're doing in the here and now, your understanding on a deeper level is desensitized. I think about it psychologically, but think about it from a, from a rabbinic perspective as well. The moment a person stops in terms of their actions, being careful and being um, and, and, and appraising the circumstance and situation appropriately and just anything they want is going into their mouth, is the very moment the person's ability to distinguish with their mind is also lost. That's the statement, He quotes the Gemara Masechet Yoma Gamkin, But again, without an Aleph, Tum'ah means contamination. Don't read it as with an aleph, you'll become dirtied. Ela venitamtem. Tum means something that's closed off, something that's atum. We talk about a tumtum as a person whose organ, organs are, are closed off. You don't know if they're male or female. As someone who's mitumtam in contemporary Hebrew, you're referring to someone who 
not very smart, their mind is closed off. The description here is that by eating wrongful foods, your heart, your mind, your capability to live in a sensitive way with the world around you is closed once your body has been affected. There's a chokmah which is given from the divine, from God. And by eating wrongfully, you've become animalistic. You've lost the capability of having a utensil, of accepting divine wisdom. You're then entrenched in the coarse uh, reality of this world. That's what I was mentioning to you earlier. Of course, all sins can affect this. This is food which is going into your body. It's altogether different. Just one second, sorry. To the extent that, generally speaking, for example, Harambam at the beginning of Hilchot Teshubah writes that if a person transgressed any of the sins, whether purposefully or accidentally, they need to do Teshubah and they need to say Vidui. However, he doesn't mention honest. Honest means it was out of my capability. It was out of my control altogether. Makes a lot of sense. I had no idea. I didn't even realize it's not my fault. I'm going to do Teshuvah for that. And nonetheless, the poskim discuss. The example for, that, that, that's brought forth is uh, what happened in Muncie some years ago. A butcher was selling non-kosher food to Jews. Jews didn't realize. Now, in terms of their utensils, we understand the reality. But in terms of them, the people themselves, do they need to do Teshuvah now? And the resound answer and, and, and essays that were written on this matter is yes why should I have to I didn't do it I didn't realize I was doing it it was food that I thought was kosher isn't the Torah about perfecting myself through the actions alternatively when it's food when you're dealing with what's called timtum halev is the lashon of that gemara is the description of this food of hamoroshil pine husband yair and in turn everyone else there's something that potentially metaphysically has altered me i've put something into my body and in turn unbeknownst to me changed my metaphysical buildup. I'm no longer capable in the same way as I was beforehand of receiving, of understanding the world in the way that I was earlier. Yes, Ralph, sorry. Um, I don't really understand what that means. Why is it eating so like it's a physical thing with nothing to do with like physical? Well, the statement is since it's going sure. into your body, yeah. it in turn is affecting you in a closer way, in a more significant way than just an action. An action is minahot. Uh, an action is something that didn't actually become part and parcel. Here's an opportunity, a challenge, a circumstance where you can take something and transform it. Instead of transforming it, you put it into your body and allowed for it to become part and parcel of who you are. The description in turn is that's a lot closer to home with regards to the harm that it can and will affect. That doesn't make sense, yeah? Look, look at it at a simpler level. Even if you're eating food that's mutar, you say, well, that's an isur. Okay, now you take that to the next level, eating foods that are completely asur, you're just going down that slippery slope of taking eating, which is an action that we all have to perform, and inverting it and perverting it. You can start neutral, yeah. and you go. You can go the right direction, say beracha, say with kavanah, really elevate the simple act of eating that we all have to do to live, or you can go completely the other direction without a beracha or eat, eat food that's not kosher.
Also, our bodies are made up of the food that we eat, where we build the body up from that substance. I do, but I, I, I want to just sharpen the point. If anything and everything that we do, and there's a general statement, both in the Vechachamim, certainly the, the philosophers and, and mystics alike, if anything that's performed in this world has a certain parallel in, in a spiritual world, and anything in the spiritual world has a certain parallel here, of course, the Mikubalim will talk about envisioning existence as this body of a human being for good reason, right? So, so it means that if I'm then going to internalize that in this world, if I'm going to look in the physical sense at the matter which is closest to, in the scheme of things, that which is bringing me astray, well, it's going to be food. I mean, that's the way I understand I it. Food is... Question, can I kind of get a little bit also is, even though you're a noose, it still happened to you, to your neshama was not impacted, whether it's food or another alcohol. So I think in all cases, there is some type of teshuvah you would need to do, in any case, because you were impacted by it. It's not necessarily limited to food. The, the argument is that since food is a physical reality in your body, which we're envisioning as somehow reciprocal to the spiritual, it's different. It's not to say that everything else isn't to be envisioned as something that I want to ward myself away from, but I couldn't over here, and as a result, food is saying, seen as saying, more severe. Putting a tattoo on yourself, making yourself bleed, all these things physical have the same exact answer? might be something along those lines. Food has a specific drive. Food, food has a spe- specific potential in it as well that others don't. Maybe, 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 maybe there's something to be said over there.